Sweet. So, uh, so we're doing a series called The Great I Am, and let me give you a little background of it. And so some of you may already know all this stuff, but um, the I am uh, stems from probably the greatest statement that God made defining himself. Uh, in Scripture, um, we, in scripture we, we know uh, that Adam had relationship with the Lord in, in the Garden of Eden. And, and then as, as like relationship with God and man progressed, he became the Lord God. And uh, throughout scripture then, he was like first centuries, he was the Lord God until uh, he was the God of Abraham and then the God of Isaac and then the God of Jacob. And, and this is what he became known as, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the Lord, the Lord God, um, until Moses came on the scene. And, uh, and then God kind of defined himself in this really big defining moment. Moses was walking around in the wilderness um, and he turns and he sees this burning bush. This bush is on fire and yet it's not being consumed. It was all consuming, yet it wasn't consuming. And it was really skeptic. And so even describing it is like, I want to see that thing. Moses had the same feeling. He turned and wanted to check it out. And when he got there, the Lord spoke to him. And probably one of the greatest encounters that man has ever had with God that changed everything um, and, and brought liberty to all the people of Israel. God said to Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing in a holy place. And Moses was terrified, and God began to speak to him and, and telling him that I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And, and that would be crazy to go to any president or dictator of any country and be like, hey, I uh, want you to know this is what you're going to do, bro. And um, he, Moses said, God, who should I say is sending me? And God spoke to Moses and said, tell him that I am who I am. And I, you know, it's kind of funny. We, we, I, I joke about it a little bit because I feel like God could have probably had a better or a cooler name. Like, tell him that like the deliverer has come, or tell him that like I'm mighty and awesome. And he named himself I am, and it was significant because he was talking to a person who had many gods, and he wanted Pharaoh to know, I am the one, the only, the mighty. And it became a very significant thing that God would do throughout the ages. He is, I am. Well, that was one of the intros that we had. And as we kind of went along, we saw that as Jesus stepped on the scene, Jesus actually uh, reiterated a lot of the, those, those statements in saying, I am. And he, Jesus would say that I am the light of the world. He would say that I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He'd say that I am uh, the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he was quoting this Old Testament scenario, de declaring God embodied and letting everyone know, hey guys, that one true God is standing right here, and I am the hope of the nations. And uh, it became a very significant moment in this world. Two weeks ago, we had a really powerful service here and uh, where we talked about the many names of God. Because then after God declared himself as I am, many people had a hard time describing him to others. And God's name became so sacred that God's people would not define him as I am. They wouldn't say he is I am. And so they found other names that would describe him um, with his attributes or the things that he did, but didn't have to like blemish the name I am. 
Does that make sense? And so what we begin to find is that he, he became the deliverer. He became my strong tower. He became uh, the, my beloved. He became uh, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He became the, the bright and the morning star, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He became the conqueror. He became many great things. He was our shepherd. He was, he was all of these things. And, and one of the things that I have found that's significant is it was through these lens that people begin to understand God and through these encounters. You know, like if you're here today, uh, there was someone I spoke with in the first service and they were introducing themselves to me and they had told me about how they're a cancer survivor. Seven years ago, they went through, they were stage four and God had healed them and um, like, whoa, that's deep. You know what? That's different to that person when we say that God is a healer. Then when someone else says, yeah, I've heard about that. I know that God's a healer. No, 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 you don't know. He is, you know, Jehovah uh, Nisi. He is Jehovah, Ra you know, he, he is my, someone would say right now, like single mom providing for kids all on their own. You don't know him as your provider. You've got it all on your own. You don't know God is literally the only reason why I'm paying my bills right now. He is my provider and it's different. And what happens is, is we've made denominations with these theories. We've said, no, no, God's not a healer. He's a provider. No, no, God's not this. He's that. And no, what God wanted you to know is he is I am. He is all of this. He is not, one, God is not many gods. He is one God and he has many personalities. If we were to begin to talk about uh, Rico today and begin, all of you would begin to talk about who he is and his strengths, many of you would define him much differently than I would. Uh, but Rico is like an onion, like Shrek would say, right? Uh, and uh, and uh, so there's, there's many layers of Rico. And so you would say he's a hard worker or he's creative or he loves his wife or his family or he's a great dad or he is a great son. And many of you would have different perspectives. And none of us are wrong, but many of us are thinking about God as if we have got him down and we're, we're only knowing him a little bit. We're not scratching the surface. When we say that he is I am, he is a great conqueror. He is a great healer. He is a great provider. He is a great redeemer. He is a great Lord and a great shepherd. He is all of this. He is not just what you see. But many of us, through feelings, through emotions, we feel that we've got him understood or we go through these seasons, these dry seasons, and now we think God is distant. But when God said, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He is a companion. He is a friend. He is a, a friend that's closer than a brother. Man, these are things that as we press in to know God, we want to understand that he is bigger than our concept. Does this make sense? I said all of that to get us to here. He is I am. So two weeks ago, we did this service and we're where we gave out a hundred different names that I had found of God to people in the service. I'm weeping. I'm crying. I was crazy good service for me. It may have been awful for you guys, but I loved it, man. And, I, and I'm like, man, it's so crazy to think that God is so much bigger than what I've limited him to in my life. And um, I'm going over this study like some 15 years ago, and God is changing my life as I'm studying each of these names of God that I'm finding in the Bible. And I'm going into prayer saying, God, I want to know you as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wait, wait, God, no, no, no. I want to know you as the lamb Whoa, I want to know you as the man of sorrows. I want to know you as the shepherd. I want to know, and I'm like praying this and God's trying to define himself to me. And halfway through this study, I'm getting like 40 names in 
And um, I had this revelation that really changed my life. And it was this. He is, I am. Yeah, we know that, right? We, we got that at the beginning. And this is how my life is. I feel like I've known something my whole life and I forgot it every day of my life. He is, I am. He is, I am. Because he is, I am. One of the first things I learned in my relationship with God was um, that he was the Lord. Um, and when I learned that he was the Lord, I learned that I was not. There was this uh, movie, some of you guys ever, it's my favorite sports movie. I don't know if you guys like sports movies. Most of them I think are terrible, but, but Rudy, you ever see Rudy? I cry every time I ever saw Rudy. He's like that little short dude that like just doesn't give up, you know? And I was like, go Rudy, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, so Rudy has this uh, encounter with his chaplain. He's at this school and he feels like he's not gonna get there and he's trying to figure out what God wants to do in his life. And he's in this, this church and this, this priest comes over and talks to him and the priest says to him, hey, Rudy, there's two things I know for certain in life. There is a God and I am not him. And so in my life, as I've learned that he is, I am. Because he is God, I am am not. Because he is the Lord, I will follow the Lord. I am not the Lord anymore in my life. It, as I begin to give God position in my life, it's changed my identity. And it's given me more and more significance through the years. And I think as we live with purpose, it changes things. I'm losing my voice right now because I've had the coolest weekend ever. My son's playing sports right now and I'm all fired up. I'm one of the coaches. And this week, Thursday and Friday, they had two games that they had to go into extra innings with. And my son single-handedly won the game. I mean, it was just, I mean, if you would have been there, it was, I'm screaming, I'm yelling. But they're, they're winning and then they're losing and they're winning and they're losing. You've seen this before? I'll yell at the TV if it's a sports game. But man, if it's my kid, I'll yell. I, was, I almost ripped my shirt off and ran around this. It was awesome, man. I'm standing there. Anyways, they're losing and I get all the kids in the dugout and my son's crying. All these kids are mad. They're, it's like the third inning and they're like, oh, they're all mad. They're crying. They know they're going to lose. And I look at them and I'm like, look at me. Say I'm a winner. They're like, I'm a winner. <laughs> Say, I'm going to win this game. And they're like, huh? and I'm like, look, you just won yesterday. And these kids are not believing it in, in their head. And you know what I know is that if you believe that you can't ride a bike, you'll never ride a bike. If you believe that you can never get that job, you'll never try for that job. If you believe you can't speak that language, you'll never start learning. If you believe that you're not smart enough, not good looking enough to win that girl, you'll never attempt to. I know that in my heart of hearts that some of us believe that we're broke, that we're poor, that we're stupid, that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're not, we're not capable. And I don't know where we've learned this identity, but we didn't get it from our father. Because our father is saying, look, you're only in the third inning. You're going to win the game. And we can't see the outcome. And we've disqualified ourselves from trying. He is. I am. And I'm this great coach, you know, who's so great. And I'm like trying to tell them, dude, you got this. And they did. They win it. And I think inside our lives right now, many of us are telling ourselves, before we walked in here, I'm in a season I'm, it's, I'm, I've lost it. It's gone. We failed. No, 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 no. Because he is, I am. I'm going to start the sermon now. Here we go. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, praise the Lord. I've got no voice. I love it. When baseball season is over, it'll be a beautiful thing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start this off with, uh, with, let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father, I'm going to try to go faster. Father, in Jesus' name, would you move here in this place today? Help in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not the perspective that many of us have today about God. Some of you feel like you're stuck in a season, and this is important, man. When we talked a couple weeks ago about like if there was a hippo here and you could reach out and touch part of it, what would, how would you describe it? Some of you right now, the way you would describe God is not who he is. And this is God trying to define himself to his people. He says this, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Think about Jesus going to the cross. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hands and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. I don't know if you get this, but God is saying, you, me getting to hold you, is priceless. And many of us think that God's mad at us or that we're not good enough for him or that we're like, you don't, you don't get it. He's a daddy. He loves, 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 loves you. You're the only thing that matters to him. No longer will you be called deserted your, or your name uh, or, or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hafsabah. My delight is in you. Or, and your land shall be called Bula, married, for the Lord will delight in you and your land will be married. It means, I know that right now you think that you're poor and you're broke and you don't have the house or the car or the job, that, but you don't understand, I'm gonna marry you. Like, there's things like right now, there's some of you in this room that can testify, that can say, I'm the only person in my whole family that's graduated from high school or college. And when that day comes and you stand to your feet and you say, look at where I am now, you gotta know that you're, some of you aren't where you used to be and God is taking you on a journey and he's saying to you, man, like, look, we're not done yet. I'm gonna do great things through you and you gotta believe it here first. As a father would tell their kids, you've gotta believe that there's a father that's saying, I will not keep silent until you shine brightly. Listen to this. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And some of you are like, that's not the God that I know. Why? God? No, you don't understand. If he's, if he's crazy enough about you to go to the cross, he wants you. He loves you. Yes, he wants to marry you. you his, your destiny, your greatest destiny is nothing here on this earth. It's that one day you will close your eyes in this world and you will be adorned standing in heaven before him. You will be his bride. Dudes, it's weird. You're a bride. Women have to be sons of God. I know that's kind of weird too, but it's all over the Bible. So here we go. I got to get in here. So I'm Googling this week uh, some of the names. I, I've had this sermon written. I, please understand, I've written this sermon like 58 years ago like 10 or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm in pastor mode right now, exaggerating a little bit. So, um, um, I'm Googling this week uh, some of the new names that God will call us, right? And it's kind of funny because I guess this week is significant. There's a TV show out that's super duper popular right now. It's called The Game of Thrones. 
And as I'm typing in new names, I guess one of the problems right now that a lot of people are having is they're, um, they're really upset uh, because the most popular names right now given to kids are names from this television show right? And so what's happened is people have named their kids after their favorite character on this TV show. And I guess this is like the last week and all of the characters have shifted now. And people that were like super good, the whole show and nice have turned like really evil. And like, now people are like, man, I named my kid after this person and they're terrible. And so like these writers are thinking it's really funny that people name their kids because now they want to give their kids new names, you know, because uh, their kid is destined to be like a, a, a super villain or something like that. I don't know what this is all about, but I thought it was uh, quite funny. New names happening this week. Uh, for everyone. <laughs> Your name is now Sarah. I'm changing it. Uh, so anyways, in the Bible, there is a, a, when, when we have this crazy experience, I don't know who you are or where you're from or if you ever had a moment with God, but moments with God define us, okay? In the scripture, many people had their names changed. Saul to Paul. Uh, Abram to Abraham. Uh, Jacob to Israel. And through most of these experiences, their name didn't actually like change, but some of them actually did. And I don't know who you are, but I believe many of you have had defining moments in your life that when you've ever had a touch from God or an encounter with God, it's significant to the point where it doesn't matter what happens now for the rest of your life. If you wonder if you've gotten away from God, that moment changes you. It like from the inside, you remember the moment that you encountered God in a way that no one could ever take from you. And you're not where you want it to be, and you're not who you are, or you're not, where you, you're not who you want to be, but you remember the moment that God touched you. It was special. This happened throughout Scripture with, with Saul having this encounter with God, and he's, his eyes open, and he's now Paul. He actually, his name didn't actually physically change. He was, he was always Saul, and he was always Paul. He just now, he's, his, his life is to a different people. Um, Abram, uh, his, his, his name was, 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 uh, was a father, and he wasn't a father. He was 75 years old. He still had never had kids. But when he's 75 years old, God says, no, now your name will be Abraham. And, uh, and he's like, look, I've still never even had kids. What are you talking about? Your name will be the father of many nations. Wait, what? I'm not even a father, and you're telling me I'm be the father of many nations. And this would happen throughout Scripture. As, as we would see, uh, Jacob has, he's terrified for his life. He's running from his brother. He's running from his father. He's running from so many different people in his life. And he has this encounter with God where he begins to wrestle with God and he realizes that God is the only source that he is, I am. And he's the one thing that he needs to find uh, a redemption in his situation, in his life, in this moment. And he goes after God and he says, God, I won't let you go until you touch me. You've got to change my life. You've got to change my circumstance. I know that there's some people right now based on your finances or what's going on in your your life and you're crying out to God and you're like, God, I, you're the only one that I've got. That's great. He is, I am. There is no one else. Like there's no one else that's going to change our circumstance, but him. And, and so Jacob, he has this encounter with God where he's changed from a deceiver and a liar to Israel. And a whole nation is now birthed through him and significant and he becomes God's beloved children. Some of us have had touches from God in our life and we've stemmed We've moved away from our identity in Christ. And today I want to get back to it. There was this significant moment that happened in Peter's life. Peter's name isn't Peter. It's actually Simon Peter. 
Many people don't know this, but as you read the Gospels, you'll see significantly that when Jesus called Peter, he actually, his name is Simon. Simon, you know, Simon, 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 Simon. Until this, this, this moment here, I'm going to take you there in the scripture, if you would turn with me. Um, it's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. And it says this, he says, when Jesus came to the region of, Ces- of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? Jesus came to a place and he said, who do you say the son of man is? You have to understand, this is a big moment in time. God is living on earth right now. He's healed many people. He's done crazy great things. And his disciples know they've given their life for this guy. They're going to follow him wherever he goes. This is a big moment. And Jesus goes, hey, guys, who do you say I am? And they're they're like, dude, Jesus, a lot of people out there think you're a big deal. They think you're a prophet. They think you're the son of of this guy. They think that you're John the Baptist reincarnated. You think that you're, you're great. And Jesus goes, no. Who do you say that I am? Now, this is a defining moment in all of our lives. I can remember the moment that changed my life the first time I decided to define that Jesus is my Lord. It changed everything. I believed that there was a God. The day that I called him Lord changed everything in my life because now I knew that I wasn't driving the ship anymore. I knew that I had to follow someone else's rules other than my own. And if I didn't, if I know that there's a God and I'm not following him, I'm making some pretty big mistakes because his wisdom is nothing compared to mine. I mean, I said that vice versa. You know what you're talking about? Okay, cool. I'm going to drink some water here. Who do you say that I am? And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? He puts them on the spot. And Simon Peter says, You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever you forbid on this earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on this earth will be permitted in heaven. Let me break it down for you. Peter, he's bold. He's the only one, he's always the boldest one. He's always the one to step over the line before everyone else. He's always the one that go the distance. And what, what, what the Messiah means is the anointed one. We believe, Jesus, that you're the one that's gonna make the difference. When he says this, something changes, and Jesus says, based on what you're saying, Peter, you're gonna change history. Based on your faith, I'm going to give you significance. Based on the fact that you believe that I am the one, I'm going to give you authority like no one else on this earth. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to be a rock, Peter, and I'll build my church on it. And it's on his confession. The moment that he looks and says, you are, Peter became something. Something happened the moment that Peter realized who God was. He had identity. He is, I am. He is, I am. And I don't know if you've ever found identity yet in this world. But I believe that many of us have learned, even from a small age, that God has a plan for my life. Many of you heard graduation speeches that you're going to do great things. 
Who are you? I know there's a lot of people that walked into this building tired. And you said, I am tired. I'm broke. I'm exhausted. I'm in a bad place in my, in my marriage or in my job, or I'm in, I'm in a bad place in my thoughts and I'm alone and I, no one likes me and no one's there for me and no one, I'm, I am, I am, I am, I am. And I gotta promise you, you don't understand that you're wearing all the wrong names. Jesus said, I will not hold back my voice. I will not be silent until you shine forth. It's, he went to the cross to create an identity in you. And the enemy is doing everything he can to take your voice. And you understand, he is making you as busy as, you, as he can make you to get you to just be distracted and forget that you actually have purpose in all of this busyness. You have significance in the mundane. There is, in, he has intentionally placed you in this boring life that you got going on that's so calculated. And you know what you're going to do 17 Tuesdays from today? It's significant. God hasn't made any mistakes. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's placed you there on purpose. And you have to be alive in that moment. Let me read this to you real quick. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 12. He says, they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And they will be called sought after a city no longer deserted. They'll be called sought after. What if someone looks at you in two months from now and says, man, it's almost like someone chased them down and changed them. It's almost like their whole countenance changed. It's almost like they have joy when they shouldn't have. It's like they don't have money, but they have everything that they need. I want to remind you, if everything is not working for you, we are the richest people on the planet Earth. If you haven't had a job in six years, 16 years, you're still wealthier than more than half of Earth. You're on welfare. Like nothing. You, got, you don't even know how you're going to pay your light bill. We are so rich. It's all in your mindset. And when you begin to tell yourself that I am and I can and I want to, and you begin to see yourself as daddy is saying that you are, it activates something inside of you that's a confidence that's not in this world. And all of a sudden now, I can ride my bike. I can go on a roller coaster. I can go on an airplane. I can be a world changer. I can make a difference. I can be a manager, a CEO. I can be creative. I can make money. I can be married. I can be loved. I can be good enough. I can be accepted. I can be embraced. I can be anointed. I can heal the sick. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he is, I am. I'm, I'm not even trying to be cute. Like, you've got to either buy into the reality that you're you or you're what he is making you. And if he is, then you are who he says you are. That's just what we believe. And many of us have just simply forgotten. Today is water baptism day. And I'm so excited to dunk something you, I'm going to hold you under, man, because we want you to come out a new creation. We want you to know that you know and everyone else know that you're not the same person you were before you went in there. And let me tell you what's going to happen. The enemy's going to come at you tomorrow 
and the next day and the next week. And he's going to tell you that you suck and that you're dumb and you're not good enough and you're not righteous. How do I know? Because the same enemy is chasing me down, telling me that I'm not anointed and I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I'm not rich enough and I'm not... Who is? Jesus says that he'll use the foolish things that confound the wise. That he'll use, that you're, he's, you are made strong in your weakness. So all of the broken areas of your life is what the enemy's gonna point at. And it's the exact thing that God's trying to get you in so he can make you great. He is. I am. There's some names that I, uh, I, I, I was doing some Googling and um, wanted to make sure that I had some of the names thought that I was right. And I found uh, one website that found over 500 names that the Bible refers to his bride. Oh, that's one of them. We are his bride. It actually was really significant for me in my life the day that I realized that I was the bride of Christ. I was at a conference. This guy, Mike Bickle, he started off this thing, this hour and a half teaching, and I heard nothing for an hour and a half but his first sentence. And he said, men, you're the bride of Christ. And women, you're the sons of God. I was like, you lost me right there, bro. I don't even know anything else that's going on. And he was trying to imply that like a lot of men struggle with intimacy with anyone. We're supposed to be intimate with Jesus. He loves us like a man would love his bride. We are his pride. We are his reward. We is, he has dressed us in white. He has redeemed us. He's robed us in righteousness. And many of us feel like I'm a sinner. I'm ashamed. I am not good. I am not. No, 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 no. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Let me show you some of these things, man. It's really awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. For those of you being water baptized, for all of you that have been in Christ for 85 years, remember this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Today, you're stuck. It's the same old mundane. No, 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 no. You're new. This is a new day. It's a new chapter. It's a new season. You're starting over. Now, you can live in that mentality. I'm screaming at my son. It's only the third inning. You are a winner. You can win this game. And some of us are going, nope, dude, you don't understand. I'm stuck. I don't know. Then be born again. Right here, right now. Start over. New day in Jesus, man. Well, I've been born again before. Paul said to die daily. So you can do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. and then Get good at dying daily. You know? All right, here we go. I got to get into this. I'm going to go quick. Who are we? Uh, there is an app we have called The Way Lakeland. On that app, I read this about once a week. Uh, I used to read it every day. But under the Bible tab, I have 12 statements of faith. It is there because I forget often who I am and what I'm called to do. And that app is there to help remind you some of the things that you're supposed to be so you can do. Does that make sense? Great. I am the righteousness of Christ. I don't feel like it. Sometimes I say the wrong things, I do the wrong things, I look the wrong way, I'm an idiot, I forget, I'm a, no, 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 that, that, that's, nope, that's not it, that's not who I am. I am the righteousness of Christ, but I don't feel like it. But when I become the righteousness of Christ, it gives me purpose at work tomorrow. Yeah. 
People have never seen Jesus before. They've never seen righteousness. Well, but Tim, I'm a sinner. That was before we became a new creation. Okay? Yeah, you're a sinner, and you're the righteousness of Christ. That changes who I am. He is I am. He is I am. I am the temple of the living God. Oh, man, this brought so many new things for me. Like, it was when I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't do drugs anymore, or I couldn't live a certain way. Like, wait, I am the temple of God, and God's supposed to be in me, but I don't feel God in me. Well, he's supposed to be in you, so you got to activate him. you got to make him feel helm in you. If you're his house, is God welcome there? We're singing it, God, anything you want to do. Like, I'm, I am an open door. God, come in to this temple. Come in to this temple. I am your temple, Lord. This isn't my opinion. This is the word of God. He is, I am. Who are you today? I am no longer a slave. Man, I love this. I love this. I love this. I came from addiction. I came from a family of addiction. My grandfather was an addict. My daddy was an addict. My brother is an addict. All these other people were an addict. All my friends were addicts. And I thought all my life I was doomed to be an addict. Many people in this room feel like they're poor. You're poor because your parents were poor, your cousins are poor, and everyone else is poor. Listen, you're not a slave anymore. You can be whoever God is calling you to be. Take off all that other crap and all the other titles and all the other mindsets and all the other labels and be who Jesus says. You're not a slave anymore. When I, when I dedicated my son, I, I break off every spiritual soul tie, even from myself, that he will be who God wants him to be. Not a like God. And every day we got to give them to the Lord. And you got to do it from your own self, from your parents. I'm not who they are. I am who God made me. I'm a son of God, not a, not a son of Deb or son of Paul or Rob or Steve or Chris. I'm a friend of God. Jesus said this. He said, You're, no longer do I call you slaves, but I, uh, servants, but I call you a friend. Wait, what? The God of the universe reaches down at your, his hand and he says, you're my friend. This changes so many perspectives. Like so many of us see God as this angry God. And he, no, 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 no. Yeah, he, let me show you another identity that he's speaking over you today. Will you be my friend? Will we do life together? One of the greatest, oh my goodness. One of the greatest uh, times I ever had with God. I was uh, on a fast and uh, I, many of you know that I like people. I like to talk a lot. I love to encounter people. We went off fast, and uh, we went to this camp, this retreat, and there was like, like 40 of us. And we said, you know what? One day, let's fast not saying a word to anybody. Oh, it was like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> All you introverts are like, I'm in heaven. I'm like, this is awful, you know? Give me some people. And uh, I couldn't talk to anyone. And on that day, I remember it was one of the only moments in my life where I, I kind of felt like God literally spoke to me. I, I started the day, we're in the woods, and I got the stick and the staff, and I started out walking on this path, and I felt like God said, move over. And it was the only thing that I felt like God said. He didn't like say that I was like cool and that he liked me. It just kind of felt like he said, move over. And it was like I was gonna walk with someone for the rest of the day. And uh, it was cool. We threw rocks, and I climbed a tree, and it was like, it was cool. I'm the branch. It means he's the vine. It means that if he is, I am. It means that if I'm a branch and he's a vine, I can't live this life without him. 
If I separate, it's not gonna work. If we disconnect, we die. Don't disconnect from the vine. I'm a child of God. I am the redeemed. I am a saint. This one was hard for me. I grew up a Catholic. I knew saints that were written on all the windows and all the rooms that I was in. Peter, Martha, Mary, all these other great people that died years ago. And the first time that I opened the Bible and Paul says to the saints at this church, wait, is he writing to people that are alive or that are dead? Saints aren't dead people. They're God's people. You're his people. And it's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Every pastor always said like, we're sinners. But no, 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 like, you know, you, you, you get, you change, you become a new creation. You're his holy chosen people. Hmm. You're chosen, we're forgiven. We're seated in heavenly places. We're God's masterpiece. This is an identity that a lot of people got to put on. Some of us look at ourselves and all we see is insecurities. I am, I'm, I'm too big, I'm too small. I'm too tall, I'm too skinny. I'm too short, I'm too weird. I got a weird nose, I got a weird eyebrow. I got a weird this, I, I'm not smart enough. And we, some of us got to look at ourselves and go, wait a second, if God made me, uh, did, did he mess up? No, I am perfect. And that changes everything when you look at yourself and realize that he didn't, Make a mistake, you're exactly where he needed you to be. I love the story of Zacchaeus, the little short man. We little man was he, right? And uh, he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And uh, uh, Y'all need to go to kids' church. <laughs> Melissa's taking volunteers next week, right? Uh, Zacchaeus was short, and because he was short, God put him in a position to find a miracle. God made you right the first time. I am born again. I'm an heir of God. I'm the beloved. I'm the elect. I'm loved by God. I'm protected. I am bold and confident. I'm his treasured possession. I'm his son and his daughter. I'm adopted. Let me tell you something, friends. It's crazy to me to think that we're adopted. I think this is one of my favorite things, all the revelations of, of the Bible, is that you are not orphaned. He didn't leave you out there. And some of you really, there's a lot of rejection rooted deep inside of things and broken people but what I love is the idea of what adoption really is. That you were alone and hopeless and God picked you out and said, you're mine and I will provide for you and I will parent you and I will father you and I will teach you and I will love you and I will hug you and I will comfort you and I will be with you. You will be mine. I'm adopted and that changed everything for me. Today he is and I am. All of our world revolves around him. Rachel, would you come? We're priests and kings. I don't feel like a king. No, kings, like big time. We're big people. He says this, this is a neat one. We're ambassadors of Christ. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> to be ambassador of the U.S. would be a, a cool thing. To be an ambassador of Polk County would be cool. Like we, I represent Polk County. Let me tell you what uh, Polk County stands for. Let me tell you about it. No, no, I'm an ambassador of Jesus. I represent Jesus and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna define to you what heaven is all about and the principles of the kingdom. I'm an ambassador. You have a purpose tomorrow. We're his mouthpiece, the scripture says. Uh, there's one verse that says we're, the, we're a fragrance of Christ to those that are perishing. Man, imagine the people that you're around that don't know God that makes you a significance in their, when you're in their room. We're a real priesthood. 
a royal diadem. I'm the apple of God's eye. Man, I love it. I'm a bondservant. I'm his brethren. I'm the elect of God. I'm a peacemaker. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I'm anointed of the Lord, Isaiah 61 would say. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to, to open up the, the, those, you know, to comfort those who mourn, to, to like, God has anointed me to do great things. My life has significance. I have purpose. God has a reason for my life. What is he doing? Like, I know today you walked in here and you feel like I'm just stuck. You can feel that way if you want to, but I promise that there's a daddy in heaven who's looking down at you and going, I paid a price for you to know that you are more than good enough for me. You're smart enough. You're capable enough. You're wise enough. You're beautiful enough. You're strong enough. You, you can get that job. You can get that education. You can get that girl. You can get that anointing. You can heal the sick. You can cast out devils. You can be who you say that I say that you are. Because if he is, then I am. Amen. And you believe in God, but sometimes it's hard to believe in you. And be a new creation. God says I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I am perfect just the way I am.